This is the Horse Talk Show Podcast with Louisa Barton. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. I'm your host, Louisa Barton, co-hosting with me today, Squeak Larkins. Good morning. And we are broadcasting live from Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world this morning. And joining us now from Peterson and Smith, we have Dr. Seitz Cherner. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. Lovely to have you back on the show with us today. Thank you. We are going to talk about strangles, uh, which is a bacterial infection. And uh, you're going to tell us a little bit, first of all, hopefully about the clinical signs of this disease. Yep, so typical clinical signs um, start within three to 14 days of infection, um, and they usually start with fever, lethargy, uh, nasal discharge, which is usually pretty thick and yellow, um, and they can also get swellings around their throat, so they get their lymph nodes get infected, um, and uh, yeah, those are basically the first Now, strangles is highly contagious. Mm -hmm. can affect many horses on a farm where there's an infected horse. What about yeah. recovery without complication from strangles? So most horses do recover pretty well from strangles. Um, there are complications, as you said. They can get um, something called purpura hemorrhagica, which is where their limbs swell, um, and they get a vasculitis in their limbs, and that's usually pretty painful, um, and they usually you know, need to be hospitalized for that, but that's pretty rare. Most horses just get, you know, the nasal discharge, they get the thick swollen lymph nodes, they have a sore throat, have a little trouble eating sometimes. Um, but, you know, within usually three to four weeks, that all stops and they, they feel better and start eating normally again and do well after that. That's good. Um, now, is the nasal discharge the, the main source of contamination as far as horse to horse? And is there any concerns with things like buckets and feed tubs and tack and clothing for hand, of handlers who are working with an affected horse? Yes, definitely. So that it's, it's the main source, all the bacteria that discharge. Um, and they actually can be pretty well cleaned, you know, if you disinfect um, the areas and all that. It's all the, all the equipment used for that horse. Um, but yes, you do need to, you know, if you have a horse that has discharge and you think they might have strangles, you do need to get your pet out and they'll get culture, make sure that, you know, that's what's happening. Um, and they'll tell you, they'll recommend quarantine for three weeks at least. Um, and they will have to tell the state, it is a reportable disease, so they will have to tell the state about it just so everyone's on the same page um, and, uh, and they'll recommend treatment for you and, you know, explain how to, how to kind of, you know, do biosecurity for that horse. They don't necessarily need to leave your farm, but you do need to have them separated from other horses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what about diagnosing the disease? So, diagnosing is straightforward when they have all that discharge coming out because you all you have to do is collect some of that and then culture it and it's caused by one single bacteria so once you've identified that bacteria you know for sure that your horse has strangles there's no doubt um, when it does get tricky is when you don't have that overt nasal discharge and then you have to kind of go looking for the bacteria and it likes to be in the throat um, and in their guttural pouches so sometimes it takes a little camera being passed up their nose into their guttural pouch to see, you know, if they have any swollen lymph nodes in there. Uh, 
um, anything that looks abnormal. And then you can also sample that area. You just put a little water in there and, um, and culture that as well. Um, once they're past that overt stage, you know, of disease, um, you usually have to do what's called a PCR. So you look for the DNA of the bacteria in the guttural pouch or in their throat or nasal passage. Um, and that's a lot more sensitive finding, you know, bacteria that might not be um, completely viable. It might be dead and you won't be able to culture it. They'll pick it out on, on PCR. Hmm. Okay. Now, as far as treatment, um, what is the, the best therapy to, obviously, to get the horse well as quickly as possible and contain it and not hopefully spread it to other horses? Mm -hmm. So, for therapy, there's a little bit of controversy. Most people agree that you shouldn't give antibiotics unless if you absolutely have to, so the horse is very sick. Um, but most horses don't need any antibiotics. They just need nursing care. You know, they want to make sure they have fresh water and good food and um, are out of the sun and away from bugs. Um, and you just basically, you know, monitor them, make sure they can eat and drink because sometimes their throat will get so sore they can't do that. Um, and they might, you know, develop problems breathing. But usually it's basically just a weight kind of deal where you just have to make sure they're okay and, you know, they can still do all the horse, normal horse activities. Um, and if anything changes, call your veterinarian and they'll, they'll see if anything new needs to be done um, or different needs to be done. Got it. Now with the antibiotics um, being controversial, is that early antibiotic treatment can prevent them from developing an immunity to the infection? Is that the concern with the antibiotics? Yeah, exactly. So if they have antibiotics, they pretty much will not um, develop immunity. Most, I guess, 75% of horses that get strangles will be immune in the future um, to another bout of strangles. But um, if you give antibiotics, they, they will not you know, become immune at all. Um, the other problem with giving antibiotics is that if they have those abscesses around their throat, um, those will not burst out, you know, um, they'll they'll kind of just stagnate and because the antibiotics are you know being effective and fighting off the bacteria but then not giving it a chance to to resolve and burst out okay wow and so transmission of this from horse to horse um, uh, a few days after developing a fever can that happen or is immediate no it usually happens two to three days so the fever is the first thing you'll see um, and that's very helpful because, you know, you see a fever, you see some, you know, your horse is a little bit depressed and you know something's wrong. And at that stage, you can start being a little bit more careful about, you know, transmitting it to other horses and get your veterinarian out. You know, they'll do a physical, they'll kind of work it up, see what's, see what's happening. Um, but it's good that the fever happens, you know, those couple of days before the horse actually sheds the bacteria uh, because it will give you a chance to get on top of it. And, and prevent spread. Absolutely. Now, what about vaccinating? Is um, is the vaccine good and effective? And do you recommend that protocol? And is that necessary here in Florida? So that's another area of um, some controversy. There are uh, a couple of vaccines out there. There is a live modified vaccine, which is pretty effective in immunity. Um, the only issue with that vaccine is that it has, does have a, a high, well, I wouldn't say high, it has a decent risk of uh, causing some adverse reactions, especially if your horse has been or recently exposed to strangle. 
um, and they can get, get that purpura hemorrhagic bill, which we spoke about, the swelling balloons. Um, they can get a few other things, you know, subsequent to that. But if your horse has no known, um, I, you know, no known contact with any strangles horse prior, that is a good one. That that is the one that will convey the most uh, immunity. The other one is a um, kill vaccine which doesn't convey complete immunity, but it will decrease clinical signs. Um, so if your horse doesn't get strangles, they won't, you know, they'll hopefully have a more mild version of the disease versus having the full-blown uh, strangles attack. Um, the only thing with that vaccine is that, yeah, it doesn't, you know, doesn't give true immunity to your horse, but it will decrease clinical signs. Mm, that's good. And, as and then what about a month or so um, from vaccination to immunity? Yeah, so it's uh, it's about a month. So most, I think the the live vaccine you have to do intranasally uh, with two weeks apart, you know, twice, and then it's either every six months or every uh, year, depending on how uh, exposed your farm is. And so farms that have a lot of in and out movement, um, you know, go to a lot of shows and have a lot of horses come from different areas are more. Um, so those, you know, if you have one of the farms that might you think about. Yes, be more important. So not necessarily you need to vaccinate all horses, so your pasture pets who don't go anywhere, or if you just do some occasional trail riding and that kind of thing, probably wouldn't be necessary. But if you're showing or if you have a farm that has a lot of people in and out all the time, um, new arrivals and all that kind of thing, um, then you would recommend it. For those horses even here in florida yeah yeah i would say horses you know farms that have horses that come in and out um if it's feasible it might be a good idea to just quarantine quarantine those horses for three weeks and mm -hmm. just make sure they have any clinical signs um some people like to do the pcr um horses before they come in and that way they can be sure that there's nothing hiding in their guttural pouches um, or anything like that. I know a lot of, for example, nurse mare farms, they'll do that um, before sending out their nurse mares to make sure they're not carrying the bacteria. Absolutely, that makes sense. And having mm -hmm. a current health certificate, of course, um, for new horse arrivals uh, is always a, a good recommendation. And um, yeah. I guess disinfecting, uh, you know, buckets and water troughs and things like that. Uh, anything you can do to kind of keep things sanitized and uh, and not pasturing horses together that you're not familiar with as well. Uh, it's yeah. definitely a plus. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Reducing exposure to unknown horses and that kind of thing is uh, always a good, a good safeguard. Um, and, and as the doctor mentioned, you've got horses coming right. in and out. You know, be keeping them separate from your horses for several weeks, monitoring their temperature. Uh, and making sure they're healthy before you expose them to other horses. Minimizing use of shared stalls or pastures at showgrounds, right. I would think would be a big plus as well. Um, mm -hmm. Doctor, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think, uh, I think you covered everything. We got it. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Seitz Turner no. from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Hi guys, this is Louisa Barton. I really hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Horse Talk Show podcast. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube and let me know what you thought. Now please go out there and share the podcast.